Hello and welcome to episode number 71 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brandon Capizello and Justin Ryan. Today, we have to start off, guys. You're both wearing Patriots jerseys with a special video on Twitter by the man, the myth, the legend that a Steeler fan like me would hate, Tom Brady. I'm going to cry. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Imagine just walking your dog on the beach and then to the left of you, Tom Brady's just sitting there recording on his phone, retiring. Imagine that. Brandon, take it away, my friend. Oh. So let's bring you back to yesterday morning when this news broke, when this video got released. I was at work. Uh I saw it at first and then I was like, wait, hold on a second. I gotta, you know, go to really scroll through Twitter and I gotta find this. And then I found it. And I watched it and I mean, we all just watched it again right there. I've seen it about maybe that's the sixth or seventh time I've seen it. And it still gets you. Um, you hear it in his voice. You can see the pain. Um, it's something that I don't think any of us can really comprehend. I think only the elite of elite competitors can really comprehend. Uh, if you have any competitive bone in your body, you can kind of just get a sliver of understanding of what, what that pain is. It's something that, I mean, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go. Uh, you, you think back to maybe that quote, if you guys know it from uh, his dad, where they're going to have to um, put a straight jacket on my son and pull him off the field to get him to retire. And it, it's kind of, you, you feel that from Tom, he doesn't want to walk away. We all know it's not his skill while he's walking away, even though they had a down season, uh, he was still playing in my opinion, at an elite level and showed that he can still play an elite level. So I had nothing to do with that. I think it's just, it's, it's his time. Um, it's time for him to move on to other things, bigger and better things. Uh, he's obviously got that major deal with Fox as a broadcaster. Uh, he's obviously got his responsibilities as a father that he's going to uh, have to hold on this mother this guy all right but just when i i think back to tom and really look back at his career i i posted a video on twitter and tiktok kind of my instant reactions it was right after i, I literally had just shed a tear um because you just think back at all all the memories especially as me as a patriots fan i mean tom brady is the reason i'm a football fan he's the reason i am a patriots fan um He's one of my 
biggest role models, persons, people I look up to. Uh, the story is is absolutely inspiring. I think we all know it. Um, I think some people don't know the full story, so I just want to give a little, you know, peek into what. So he was a backup quarterback on his freshman high school team, guys, that finished zero and eight. All right, and then he he you know got the starting job I think uh, in his junior and senior year. And then he went to Michigan, and when he enrolled in Michigan, he was the sixth-string quarterback on that team. Sat behind him for two years. Then his last two years, his junior and senior year, he was able to start, but still battling with Drew Henson, if you remember that guy. Um, and for the ne- the his last year, his senior year, he was actually sharing snaps on the field with Drew Henson. Brady would get the first quarter, Henson would get the second quarter, and then the head coach would decide who, who plays the second half. That's how it's you don't even like that that's unfathomable to really think about um and then brady was able to go on to beat ohio state and then beat alabama um in the orange bowl and then obviously the sixth round pick 199th overall fourth string quarterback his rookie year working his way up to backup by the end of the year and then drew bledsoe goes down against the jets and in comes tom brady and the rest is literally nfl history um I just, I think about him and I think about how his career was basically a movie. Uh, It was something out of Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood couldn't have written it better. It's really unbelievable when you think about it, when you really look back at all his career stats, all his accomplishments, his accolades, who he was, how I've heard this a lot um, in the past day. Tom wasn't a great player coming out. He made himself a great player, and that's really what it is. He 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 wasn't, you know. I I was watching another high school uh, interview with him, where he's being interviewed, and the the interviewer asked him, "What are your strengths?" And he says, "Well, everybody tells me I got a pretty good arm, so that's good." Uh, and he said, "I I I got to work on my speed, though. Uh, that'll come in time." Uh, and obviously, you know, Tom Brady's not known for his speed, but. We've seen some uh, plays from Tom where he used his legs, the famous one of the Brian Urlacher juking him out. Uh, the one I just saw yesterday of him in the Atlanta Super Bowl where he rolls out to the right and runs straight up the middle for 15 yards. We've seen all of those. Uh, Joe, Joe Burrow brings up the hit that Brady got early in his career and the helmet basically like is turned sideways. But guess what? Brady pops right back up because as Brady says, it's always you got to get back up. You can't show them that, you know, they got the best of you right there. You got to get back up. How 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 I'm going to remember Tom, to be honest with you, is somebody who was underrated, uh, and I still think is underrated, underappreciated. And this is this is one of my favorite quotes from uh, not him. It's from a, a professional wrestler, Cody Rhodes, who had kind of a not a similar journey, but Tom Brady went from undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. You, you can't deny him. Um, he will always come back. He'll always fight. I mean, we can even go back to his last game against Dallas, the playoff game. You guys saw it. You guys remember it. There's four minutes left in the game, and this guy is still acting like it's a tie ball game. He's still calling out routes. Guy drops a pass. He's like, you got to run the wrong route. He's like, you got to, you know, he's like hurrying up. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. He's still playing like it's his, like, 
Like, like it's it's right there. He, that is the competitor in Tom Brady. He will get you to the bitter end. He's going to fight you, claw, scratch, anything he can. I'm going to miss the guy. I already missed the guy. I missed him when he left New England. Uh, now it really is setting in that this is the end. Um, and I, I just... Here's another thing that I think back to, and I know Justin will like this. Uh, uh, Avengers Endgame. When Pepper, uh, her last words to Tony Stark is, you can rest now. And it kind of, you know, I think back to that. You know, Captain America had his send-off. He got to live his 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 good life without having to worry about anything else. Tony got to finally rest. And Tom is now, you know, you can finally rest now, Tom. It's it's okay. So I just got to say thank you, Tom Brady. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the ups. Thank you for the downs. Thank you for everything. You changed the sport. You changed football. You're the greatest of all time in football. You're in my greatest of all time in sports, Mount Rushmore history. You're up there. And this isn't goodbye. It's see you later. That would be in Canton, Ohio, where fortunately he will not be stealing Ben Roethlisberger's thunder as Brandon, first battle hall of favor. Tom Brady, 15-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, seven-time champion, three-time MVP, five-time Super Bowl champion, comeback player of the year, and the only player to win three Super Bowls in three decades. Um, you know, I feel like Tom Brady could have played until he's 50 years old. And that's something we don't see. Jerry Rice, yeah, at 40 years old, he was one of the better receivers in the league. But two years later, he dropped off in Seattle and Oakland, and he was barely even an NFL player. One of his nicknames is the Comeback Kid. And, um, you know, as a Steeler fan, even in in, in his retirement, I'm still going to be thinking about the games against Pittsburgh where I uh, I knew we were going to lose. And that's the feeling that no other opponent has given me in my entire time watching sports, even LeBron James. Um, so, I don't know where I'm going here, quite frankly. You mentioned we'll see Tom later. He has a 10-year, uh, $370-plus million contract waiting for him at Fox. And it's compelling as somebody from New Jersey... Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson this year have been great. Lights out for Olson. Olson was the substitute for Tom. And Fox has had to basically juggle the unpredictability of what Tom's next move is going to be. If he went on to play for two more years, how would that affect, uh, you know, what was going on in the booth? Fortunately, Olson is really freaking good at what he does. And like a Chris Collinsworth, who never played in one of the meccas of football and was never a quarterback, he's done such a good job. You have yourself a great backup, or better yet, he can go to another company and serve as one of the key guys there. So I think that's very interesting, too. Um, you know, the, the announcement post, what it reminded me of a little bit, was when you finish a really cool video game, especially like a Call of Duty, and you get to the ending. I'm thinking of like Call of Duty Ghosts, but better yet, like Black Ops 1. You get to the ending after a storybook mission, you accomplish the un- unforgettable. And then it's just, you know, a film of sweet victory that I at least yet in my life don't probably won't uh, be able to fully bask in. But it's 
it's something very interesting that sit on the beach after a 23 year playing career where I could have gone for seven more seasons if I wanted to, but I decided to hang them up. That's a, that's a weird feeling that uh, I think most people will never fully understand, you know? You know, as an athlete, you, you never know when your last game is going to happen. You know, you, one day you're just you're playing on the field and, and you're looking forward to the next year. I mean, take just to take you back, like to when when COVID hit, a lot of athletes just didn't know that maybe their last season was right there. They're in the midst of it. Um, so you just never know when those playing days are over. So you, you cherish every single one of them. I guess that's my advice to anybody listening that is an athlete. Just cher cherish every single one of those moments. But um, on to Brady, I think uh, one of the things that stands out to me the most is the guy said he was going to play till he, he was 45, and he did. And at the same time, we're all still surprised that he actually retired because he could still play at that level that he could have played till he was possibly 46, maybe even 47 years old. And honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if he could have pushed it even more. Uh, the guy just lives and breathes and bleeds football. And that's one thing that we've seen, and it was clear as day. I think for me, for Tom Brady, much like what Brandon said, is the reason that I fell in love with football. He's the reason that I, I deal with scrutiny as a uh, New Yorker walking around with a Patriots dad hat and getting criticized. Like, oh, you're from New York. How could you, how could you do that? Well, uh, take you way back when I was a kid, I was watching a football game. It was Patriots, Jets, Patriots handled them very easily and I just fell in love with the Patriots ever since I've yeah it starts as a bandwagon because I'm a little kid that's all I know but it turned into a, a lifetime of, of fandom and appreciation getting to see him one year as a kid in, in Gillette for a preseason game I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo's rookie season too so I got to see him play against the Eagles in a preseason game um Tom Brady made me fall in love with football. And oh, if you guys didn't notice, but all of my socials, whether it be my Instagram or my Twitter, they all have the number 12 in it. And I, and I put that there for a reason. Tom Brady's my favorite athlete of all time. Um, the guy is a straight-up winner, a motivator. And I've been arguing about him being the greatest of all time since I was a little kid going to get stuff from the deli up the block from my house. And that was back in the day when he only had three Super Bowls to his belt and people were telling me Montana was the greatest. Well, I'm glad to say that 10 years later, Tom Brady has proved me right. And he still is and will forever be the greatest quarterback of all time. And while, yeah, as Patrick Mahomes dominates the NFL, nobody's going to have that same impact that Tom Brady has. Um, but, yeah, like, John, you read all the stats, the, the seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, the accolades we can go on and on about. But – Overall, Tom Brady is just probably the greatest team sports athlete of all time. Uh, I know that's something that can be debated when you when you look into Jordan uh, and some other players too. But I think, uh, as Brandon Brandon said it best, when he puts him on his Mount Rushmore. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the football memories. My Patriots are not the same without you. And, you know, I guess this is why it doesn't hurt me as much. It doesn't make me feel as sad because I had three years without him and he was still playing. But when he left New England, it definitely stung. This is more of a, uh, all right, Tom, you left the league in good hands. 
the first player in NFL history to win multiple Super Bowls after turning 40. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this graphic on Twitter where it's, okay, Tom, you can let go now. And it's like the big bear holding on to the hands of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and then Daniel Jones. I'm like, what the hell is Daniel Jones doing here, guys? Come on. Come on. Like, th this is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. Put the 19th best quarterback in the league up the top five. Unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. I don't know if you guys saw this. So I saw this uh, awesome stat. And that Tom Brady basically had three Hall of Fame careers in one. Mm -hmm. So they compared uh, Tom Brady's career to Troy Aikman's mm -hmm. from, oh, from 2000 to 2006. Check this out. Troy Aikman had six division titles, three Super Bowl titles, uh, Super Bowl MVP, zero regular season MVPs. Tom Brady had five division titles, three Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. Now, the Dan Marino phase, mm -hmm. uh, this is for Tom Brady 07-13. Marino had five division titles, one Super Bowl appearance, one regular season MVP, three passing touchdown leaders. Tom had six division titles, two Super Bowl appearances, two MVPs, and two-time passing touchdown leader in that time. And then the Montana phase from 14 to 20. Uh, Montana, four titles, three Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs, and four Super Bowl appearances, while Tom had four titles, three Super Bowl MVPs, one regular season MVP, and five Super Bowl appearances. So in three phases, he stacks up with some of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. It's I mean, yeah. absolutely unreal. It's insane. I mean, you can look at, you can just break down his own decades. You can break down his 20s to his 30s and then his 40s, and all of them are Hall of Fame careers, to be honest with you. That's why when I say it's it's literally unbelievable when you actually think about it and look back at what he has put out, it, it's it's unbelievable. It, it really is. It's unbelievable. It's better than what Hollywood could come up with. Um, the The road he had to travel uh I've, I've gone over his his plan to get to the nfl and then just to start to get to start and then just to think about this like so year uh year two his first year starting you know blood so goes down he comes in and then they go on that run and then you know you got the tuck rule game uh, i forget i forget if that was the wild card or the divisional round the tuck rule i think it was wild card so i'm forgetting who their second team was but then I know that they played John's uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in the ASC Championship game. That's when Brady went down somewhere in that game. Bledsoe came in, and then they won. Uh, John can't take it. But then you you think to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, I believe it was a tied game. Uh, I'm forgetting the score off the top of my head. Uh, and there's like a minute or something left, minute and uh, one second or something like that left. 17 seconds. Yeah, I feel like they had one timeout maybe left. And I know um, – I forget who always brings it up, but John Madden is basically saying like, oh, if I was Bill, I'd, you know, take the knee, play for, you know, go for overtime and whatever. And to Bill's credit, he put his faith in Tom. And Tom drove them down the field, got in the field goal range, Vinatieri, kicked the field goal. They win their Super Bowl. He's the Super Bowl MVP. They missed the playoffs the next season, but they still were, I think, tied for second in their division at nine and seven. Then this, the third year, they go and play um, uh, the Panthers in the Super Bowl. And it was one of the highest scoring Super Bowls in terms of fourth quarter scoring. I think there was like 35 uh, points combined scored in the fourth quarter of that game. And then the final drive was uh, uh, John Casey, I believe the kicker was for the Panthers. He kicks it out of bounds. 
Uh, they get the ball at like the 50. Um, they get backed up, and then Brady is able to drive them, get them into field goal range, and win the game. And just from that point on, right, he was known as if you had if you were down or tied and Brady had the ball with two minutes or less remaining, you had fear in your heart. You feared him from that point on because he just showed you in the biggest stages. And with the team, like, let's think back to, like, this isn't, and no disrespect, this isn't Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. This isn't Kurt Warner with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Marshall Falk. This isn't Peyton Manning with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and uh, Dallas Clark. Deion Branch was his best receiver in, in, in that Panther Super Bowl. He didn't have these elite weapons. He had an elite defense. He had a good O-line, but he didn't have these elite weapons, and he was still going out there and getting the job done. So from that point on, we just remember Thomas, this guy that always came back. I mean, John brought up the comeback kid. He got that moniker in college, man. When he was still battling to be the starter in Michigan, they still wouldn't give him the opportunity. Uh, it's insane. I feel, I feel honestly privileged, honored, and lucky to be able to witness his career. I think everybody should because of what we – the, the historical nature of what we've witnessed, something that I don't believe we will ever see again in terms of dominance, 20 plus years of dominance. I don't know if another quarterback is going to play 20 plus years in the NFL. I just don't. Because you got to think about Tom and how the la lack of injuries he really maintained over his years. He wasn't out that much. He missed that one season in 08, and he missed that uh, half the game against John Steelers in the AFC Championship game. He didn't miss games. He was there, healthy. He won, a, he won a Super Bowl in a pandemic year on a new team on a torn MCL. He went in and won a Super Bowl. at four, What was he, 42 at that time, I think. That's mind-boggling. We, we will always know Tom is also, we always say Tom, uh, Father Time is undefeated, right, guys? Holy not shit. Anymore. He's not anymore. He's that one. The one in one in a billion, whatever the number is, Tom's the one. He's the only guy that has been able to defeat defeat Father Time. Jo Justin literally brought it up. We're sitting here shocked that he walked away. I was shocked this time that he walked away because we all believe he can go out and play at a pretty high level. We all thought my agenda was clear to you guys, uh, what was it, two days ago, 49ers. And I was going to ride that wagon. They were going to win a Super Bowl. I don't care what nobody says. Oh, you can't predict things. You know, injuries happen, whatever. I don't give a crap. I'm picking them to be the Super Bowl champions that year. So, if Tom Brady signed with them. If Tom Brady signed, yes, with that caveat. You, you know, I think uh, as Patriots fans, it, it, just sit back and just appreciate the fact how spoiled we were. I mean, as I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan, too. So I, I've been spoiled when it comes to football and baseball my whole life. In baseball, I've gotten to see one of the greatest, if not the greatest shortstop of all time in Jeter. Uh, I got to see one of the greatest in Alex Rodriguez. And absolutely, uh, it's set in stone, the greatest closer of all time in Mariano. And then in, in football, I've gotten to watch the greatest quarterback of all time. I've gotten to watch the greatest head coach of all time. I've gotten to watch possibly the greatest tight end of all time in Rob Gronkowski. Uh, we've just been spoiled so much. So, you know, just it's one of those times you just sit back and just appreciate what you got to watch over these years because greatness doesn't come around in that form or fashion, especially in one group like that. Mm -hmm.
just doesn't happen so often. Just to follow up on that, that we were spoiled. I heard somebody uh, kind of um, uh, compare this era. Tom Brady and these Patriots are going to be known as like the uh, Mr. Russell Celtics. Like this is like this is a, a a dynasty that in like maybe fifty years, a hundred years, people are going to look back and be absolutely astonished that this happened. People like it's, are, it's, yeah, go ahead. People are going to say, "Bull Russell won eleven championships," but you know there were eight teams in the NBA back then. Yeah. In the NFL, there's 32. So yeah. that's a pretty important thing to note as well. And the parody in the NFL is complete. Like the team, the the turnover. I think there's the stat. There's there's four or five new playoff teams every single year, man. Every single year, there's a, there's new playoff teams coming in. Uh, so it's just incredible. I, I know I, I've seen that picture going around the end of an era of all the quarterbacks. I, I, I they seem to have forgotten Aaron Rodgers is still playing. Uh, he's one of the older quarterbacks, but it's okay. Are we going to get that picture uh, next year or whatever in a couple of weeks when uh, Rodgers retires and he's going to be just put into the picture? After he wins uh, the Super Bowl in New York. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but I just think that you can, and there's no disrespect to everybody else, but you can eliminate them and just look at Tom and put end of an era because it is, it's 20 plus years of dominance and it's, it's freaking ridiculous. I mean, we could go over this. I have a screenshot of a picture from CBS sports that they tweeted of all his number one records where he's number one. I could go on it. It'd probably take me like five minutes to get through it. I'm not going to do it, but it's just absolutely freaking insane. Like Justin said, the greatest leader, probably the greatest team sport athlete of all time, greatest quarterback of all time, probably the clutchest sports player ever, in my opinion. Like him and MJ are kind of like the guys up there. Never cheated you. No quit. Always showed up. All you Always gave you 110% everything he had. So, yeah. One last thing, like John, John – John brought up uh, the the Jets and Bills fans and all them Jets, Dolphins, and Bills fans. You can all now you can all have a, a good night's sleep finally for the first time in twenty plus years. Now the it's the Patriots' time to get the ass kicking. John, the nightmare is over for them. The nightmare is over. And by the way, um, you guys did have Adam Vinatieri too. Um, you know, greatest kicker, yeah, yeah. Uh, who did hit, I think, three game-winning kicks in the Super Bowl. So I do want to add that. And then... Yeah, I was also way too young to really watch that. I think sure. it was like four. Was two, game winning, two game-winning field goals. The okay, Eagles he won the first three Super Bowls well, all by three points. Yeah, but we were already up 24 to 10 on the Eagles, and then they scored that final touchdown, or 24 to 14 or something, whatever it was. Yeah, because yeah, 24 to 21. Yeah. And then he went to uh, Indy, but yeah, we've yes, we've been we've been very lucky, we've been very spoiled, uh, but it comes with the territory when you when you have this dominance, and we were we were very, I guess, just lucky for these years that we've had. So, I, I want to ask you guys this: so where where does Tom rank in the goat of goats, all sports? Where does he rank for you guys? Like the Mount Rushmore that I, I kind of hinted at earlier. He's had the greatest career, I think, in pro sports history. But if we're going to stack him up to MJ and LeBron, I would say, though they have each less championships, they have the more influential legacy. Mm -hmm. I think MJ definitely because of the shoes, yes. 
I think that, yeah, the, the shoes definitely with MJ, the legacy that he left behind. And I don't um, think people emulate TB12. So I think his impact, his effect won't be as long lasting as the Braun. Yes. Because also, I mean, there's also this thing going around, like with Tom, there's no signature walk-off touchdown, you know, kind of like in the Super Bowl, kind of like what MJ had, his final shot. Everybody remembers the final shot on Utah where he held the pose. Tom doesn't have that. Uh, he's got, you know, all, obviously all these comebacks and stuff. Uh, the 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 28-3 to Super Bowl, the final touchdown was a toss to James White. Um, I know Ju Justin is looking a little mad there, but no, no, I, I understand I, I, what you're saying. Yes, you know what I mean. I, but he in the Super Bowl, he doesn't have that signature, you know, re walk off throw. He's you can remember the throws the Kembrell Tompkins one against the Saints. He had that walk off where Brady's back, the guy screaming, Brady's back. You could think about the one to Julian Edelman where Edelman freaking catches it on the fingertips. You could think of all those catches, the, the one to Gronk, but. It, it's not that signature, but go ahead. It looked like you want. Honestly, you had, so, had one. so yeah, I'm, the first one that comes to mind, and I understand your point because the touchdown I'm about to mention gets overshadowed by an interception. So, uh, oh, the mouth. Okay, yes. Yeah. So my my first thought is the 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 touchdown to Julian Edelman on the zig route yes, where yes. he missed him earlier, and then he got him again and he connected, and that was yo Patriots got this. Now we just need to stop. But you're right. It did, it does get him. overshadowed by. Uh, Jermaine Curse's BS catch where I thought it was going to be a repeat yep. uh, of all the nonsense. I had the same thoughts, Justin. I was like, <laughs> here we go again. And then Malcolm Butler. Poor so Schultz. I guess I guess I understand the overshadow thing. I guess I never thought about this argument and using the, the influential route because if you're just going based on stats and, and accomplishments, then I guess it's easy to throw Tom at number one. I mean, the guy has more Super Bowls than any individual or team in his own sport. So I, I think that that's pretty that, – that's a pretty big deal. But I understand where you guys come from, like with MJ, with his shoes, the signature moments, the flu game, all of that. Uh, you know, nobody sitting there besides us are thinking about AFC Championship against Jacksonville with a gash in his hand. You know, we're the ones thinking about that. I guess not the world, but the world resonates more with MJ. So, um, yeah, I guess I put MJ number one, maybe Tom Brady number two. For me, it would be, I, I don't know fair. if I have a have a direct order, but like my Mount Rushmore of, of Goat of Goats, in my opinion, and I'm going to extend it to five because it's just, it's right there. Top five is much better than a top four. Um, and it, you'll, you'll see why it makes sense. So I have MJ there, greatest basketball player of all time. Tom Brady, greatest football player of all time. Uh, Serena Williams, the greatest female athlete of all time. John Jones, the greatest fighter of all time. And then I have Usain Bolt, the fastest man alive. That's my top five athletes. You see, goats, if you want to say, if if we're gonna talk goat and goats, you got to throw in guys like Wayne Gretzky on, on that Mount Rushmore because when we talk about people that straight up just own and dominate a sport, I think Wayne Gretzky's in that category. With he is, the, I the think NBA. he would just be. For me personally, it's just I, I, I'm obviously not a hockey fan. I understand Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's dominance. Um, and, like, you know, you can name your baseball players, your Jeters, your Babe Ruths, your, uh, you know, whoever you want to have. But for me, it's just, like I said, uh, fastest man alive, greatest fighter alive, greatest female athlete, um, greatest NFL football player and greatest basketball player. Like, MJ to me is, like, probably the greatest athlete of all time. Um, so, I mean, greatest hockey player, he, he'd probably be right outside there. But for me, my that that's my top five.
Yeah, Derek Jeter is crazy. Yeah, yeah, Derek Jeter doesn't doesn't he doesn't sniff the Mount Rushmore. Like, he's actually uh, very. Apologize, I'm not, I'm not a baseball guy. No, so no, I know that, but you just think man. of the prominent name, which yeah, is yeah, fine. Yeah. He's one of the greatest athletes in New York history. Michael Phelps, you know, the greatest Michael swimmer Phelps of all too. time, is one that I think of where he had a maniacal motor and 23 gold medals alongside Usain Bolt. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yeah, there's a lot. We got there Tom. Is, there is. LeBron, I think, has to be in there as Serena. Those, those three. MJ I don't think you could put two people in the same sport on a on a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's why you got to kind of make your choice. Is it MJ or LeBron? You have to make. And I'm, you know, I know you, you guys LeBron, prefer temp, LeBron. Temper tantrum. You know, yeah. you can be <laughs> I know you guys prefer LeBron, but uh, I prefer LeBron. Be. But I agree with you guys. I'll put him on the Mount Rushmore because of more so influence mm-hmm. at the same time too. Iconic. You know, all yeah. those guys, team players like Kenny Pickett. So. <laughs> The Tom Brady retirement shakes up a lot in the NFL landscape because there's a lot of quarterbacks this offseason seemingly on the move. Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. More maybe. And for the San Francisco 49ers, Justin and I both had the epiphany earlier in the year that they were going to the Super Bowl. They were going to win that thing. They were going to repeat the Tom Brady championship arc in year two. Now, Brock Purdy... Not only suffered a complete UCL tear, Justin, you know better than me. He's had to undergo Tommy John surgery. It's going to be upwards to a 12-month absence and recovery timeline, which for the 49ers, yep, Brent? Don't think he's had the surgery yet, though, John. I think he's still weighing his options. I just wanted to, you know, I don't think he's had it yet. With a complete tear, I feel like it's inevitable that he's going to. I mean, I always wonder why why they just don't, you know, kind of get the surgery done and out of the way. What are the, what are the steps that, that they're waiting for? I'm well, not, get, I, yeah, we're not doctors. I would yeah, guess I'm not an doctors are maybe saying home. you can do it with rehab, no surgery, and it's going to be less time, but there's going to be a more chance of, you know, yeah, re-injury. And they, yeah. take the, they just like, you know, it's, I'm not going to be out 12 months. It'll take me the six months. I'll take my chances. But, yeah. I just want to want you guys to think about it, put it in perspective. While he had a complete tear of his UCL, Josh Allen had a UCL injury for about half the season, and he was still putting up numbers. He didn't have a complete tear, though. Right, that that still doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. But I'm just saying, it doesn't feel good. Uh, I know a lot of baseball players that have dealt with that injury. It's not, it's not fun. But yeah, John, to answer your question, how does it, it shakes it up big time? I mean, we all had. I, I made the agenda clear that I thought the 49ers go out and get Brady. That shakes up their plans. Uh, Jimmy's not going to be back. Shanahan already said that. Uh, so they're going to go forward with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, and they're going to decide who their quarterback of the future is. Uh, in terms of Vegas, who was the other team that was out there that he was considering uh, or was considering him, they're kind of screwed now. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Uh, Derek Carr's on his way out. He doesn't want to be back. They don't really want him back. Uh, I know De- uh, Devontae Adams just tweeted out like kind of like a hint of Aaron Rodgers possibly getting there. I don't know how you can make that salary cap work, but that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I it shakes it up big time for these guys. The 49ers now are kind of back in that same spot where they have a phenomenal freaking team. But guess what? You're missing the most important position, and that's the quarterback. Um, and the Vegas Raiders are – I mean, they got insane offensive talent, but you got to get a quarterback too. So really screws them up, yeah. With the 49ers, I think my first thought is you cannot go into training camp with two young quarterbacks like that. Um, one, I don't think I don't know if Brock Purdy will even be ready 
for, uh, you know, preseason. But Trey Lynch, I don't know if he will be either. I, I mean, he should be. It's a year recovery for ACL, maybe a little sooner. So he should come back around, I'd say, roughly. I'm not a doctor. Um, July-ish, hopefully. So you can't go into a season banking on those two. You have to bring in a veteran QB. If you don't, that's just going to be – that's that's just poor coaching. You You have to get yourself a vet. Uh, whether that veteran be a Matt Ryan, who's most likely completely done in Indianapolis, uh, Matt Ryan's best statistical season came under Kyle Shanahan. So bringing a guy like that just to have the veteran presence, not saying he's going to lead the team to the Super Bowl, but you want to have that because I'm sure they were missing that uh, against the Eagles. Whoever that vet may be, just somebody that could come in, lead the young guys. I think Matt Ryan inevitably becomes a 49er. Um, and in terms of the Raiders, that tweet by Devontae Adams says a lot. Um, I think he said there was where's uh, his new home going to be? And Devontae Adams tweets, what, what, what was it like next to me? Yeah, I forget exactly what he said, but it's kind of hinting at Rogers, you know, being traded that he wants Rogers to be traded to uh, uh, Vegas. But we should say that Rogers was I think he was on the McAfee show. And he said, there's a lot of trade conversations going around and uh, I haven't even made my decision on if I'm playing yet. So we should just, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, basically. And with Matt Ryan, Jerry, he's got an $18 million cap hit. So that might be thrown under the bridge. Why on earth would Kyle Shanahan say, I see no possibility of that when asked if Jimmy Garoppolo would return? If what you need is a reliable backup quarterback that can step in and win you games with a six-month resume in your system the winningest quarterback you've ever had what do you gain out of saying that in an interview what type of leverage i don't understand what the purpose of that is i feel like there I'm should gonna, be some intent behind that sentence yeah i'm gonna be honest i think kyle shanahan has fallen in love with brock purdy over these uh weeks that he's been the quarterback i think he wants brock purdy as his starter um i think that they took a flyer on trey lance he had the talent, all the talent in the world, the physical traits that you would look at. Didn't have a lick of experience, really, against high-level competition. And we kind of saw that in his, the small sample size we got in the NFL. I think he fell in love with Brock Purdy. I think he fell in love with the command Brock Purdy had. Uh, I think he fell in love with the poise, the confidence, the swagger, making the right move, uh, decisions, reading the field well. I think he fell in love with that. Uh, and I think that they want Brock Purdy as their quarterback in the future. Now this UCL injury kind of messes things up for them. Uh, but I do think they want, I think their inclination, if they had to make a choice, if you put a, a, a quote unquote gun to their head, I think that he would choose Brock Purdy as his, his quarterback for the future. I think he will too, but I think uh, Trey Lance is salivating at the mouth right now because what was seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was out the picture for going into the year. Now, uh, you know, he slides right back in. And this is this thing that's been going viral that I find absolutely hilarious. Uh, Arian Foster on a podcast, uh, basically joking around saying, uh, you know, that the NFL is scripted. People that watched that and actually thought he was serious. He wasn't. Um, but all the memes that came out about it, like RJ3, RG3 seeing his script going into the 2012-2013 season or uh, just a bunch of things. Deshaun Watson seeing his script. JPP. With his hands. That was hilarious. But 
uh, John, I got the tweet for you right now. Somebody tweeted at Devontae Adams, what neighborhood is Aaron Rodgers moving to? Devontae's reply, mine. So somebody's going to have to to pay up big, but I could see Aaron Rodgers moving. Either it's the Jets or it's the Raiders. You know what that means? The Giants are going to get Daniel Jones as wide receiver one, and the Jets are going to get Aaron Rodgers. Now, here's one thing. What John Lynch said was that Brock has been really durable, even though he just, you know, completely tore his UCL. Trey has to prove he can stay healthy. What? Excuse me. Didn't he get injured in college, too? No, his third year because of COVID was, you know, ruined. Only played one game. Oh, okay. I thought he also got injured as well, but okay, I got you. You know, a traumatic injury like that, that's a contact mechanism. It's not something you can control. And I saw Brian Suter, uh, a medical expert on YouTube, he reacted to it. And he says, no player should have to prove that a, a fluky injury like that is, you know, not a sign that they're injury prone. And so for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, I didn't listen to the entire interview, but those quotes really stood out to me. They didn't make really any sense. Why you'd say that about the two quarterbacks that you're leaning on to close this Super Bowl window. The 49ers have one of the two best teams, one of the three best rosters in the league, but quarterback in each of the last four years has been why they've came up short. So Brock Purdy next year probably won't play. Trey Lance will. Trey Lance has played zero full seasons in the last three years. As a rookie, didn't get much reps, basically started one game in his sophomore year, and didn't play his last year as a junior at North Dakota State. So you're relying on a player in one of the most complicated offenses in all football to figure it out in time next season to win you a Super Bowl. I don't know if that's going to work out, especially if Trey Lance, let's say, does have another injury. What's the veteran quarterback going to? Are they going to sign a Jacoby Bursett, kind of a Jimmy Garoppolo double? That's why I don't understand these quotes, which make it seem like they're divorcing Jimmy, when the reality is Jimmy is one of, if not the best backup quarterback on the table for you. So I don't understand what's it's going on. It's insanely disrespectful, John. It's insanely disrespectful how they just shut down Jimmy Garoppolo the way that they do. Like, he hasn't led them to two NFC Championship games and winning seasons uh, when he is healthy, of course. So solely blaming all their losses. Oh, the reason they did not win a Super Bowl was just because of the quarterback. No, a lot of things probably went wrong. And you know what? Kyle Shanahan is one to blame, too, because not too long ago. I mean, I I've glossed about the 49ers, but let me take a shot at Kyle Shanahan for a second. And take you way back to the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl, which he was the OC for. You lost that game. Not Matt Ryan. You did. So there's a lot of things that he needs to look in the mirror. Some things that he needs to fix to put his team over the top. Because while we want to knock Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo still got him to a Super Bowl. You were Are you going to say that he's the reason you lost the Super Bowl? That one throw wasn't yes. the be-all, end-all. But his last two drives were absolute. There, was, there were a lot of things Justin, that, that could have been a 10-point lead in around seven minutes. Not I, entirely... Look, I think Jimmy's disrespected, but let's not Jimmy yeah. lost in that Super I got brother. Justin, I understand. Your, I understand I mean, your he, point. He had a pretty simple job. Justin, I understand your point. Um, and I agree with some of it, especially with Kyle Shanahan has to take some responsibility because, like I said to you last episode, we talked. I I solely blame him. I don't feel sad for them because they had a chance to get Brady twice, and they said no. I was going to mention and, that and too. They went yeah. with they went with an injury prone quarterback at, in Jimmy Garoppolo instead. Um, and yes, it, it let let's be honest, Justin. Yes, there are a lot of things in that in those games happen. Yes, but 
like John said and brought like we talked about with the um uh, uh Bengals Chiefs game. John brought up the quote of that that last play isn't the reason they lost. You could say that other things happen. Yes, we can really have a conversation about that. But when we really cut the crap, at the end of the day, Jimmy, if you make that throw, you don't lose that Super Bowl. That well, game's over. I want to add to that. He missed many wide-open throws. Yes. Tyler Shanahan schemed up open receivers, and he made the wrong read. He was late on certain throws. And then the cherry on top was the missed kill shot. Similar to what Dak did against uh, uh, San Francisco, where Kellen Moore's dialing up good plays, and he's just missing them. And everybody got on Dak for it because... You missed the throws. The guys are open. You missed them. Um, and then, obviously, the injuries uh, later on where he was the fault of why they didn't get in. So, I mean, obviously, the last one against the Rams, you can't put solely on Jimmy because if Tart makes that interception, that game is over. But Jimmy also had his faults, too. And it's just, I mean, there's a reason this guy was only letting in certain some games where he was only letting Jimmy throw nine times, eight times, 15 times. Um, so I just don't, I just don't like the sole blame entirely being on a guy that since he got to San Francisco, all he did was win. Well, Justin, that's, if that's they have a, if they have a better starting quarterback, do you think that they're in a better spot? Okay. Just, yeah, I, absolutely. But who's the quarterback? Well, I, I name that's the thing. Just it just better on, than Jimmy Garoppolo. It just depends on who's available at the, at the moment. They, they were also remember they're strapped into a contract with the guy they signed. You to think Brock Purdy's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, no, I don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say so. I feel would like take, who would you take right sample now? Size. If you were, if let's say both guys are healthy mm-hmm. and you're Brock. the 49ers, you're Kyle Shannon. Who do you want as your starting quarterback? Well, I'm, I'm taking Brock. Well, I feel like he's young. He's mm-hmm. already in the system. He's born into the system quite literally. So, yeah. But you and know, I mean, what, you, saw, you, you were the one making the points to me saying, look, he's trusted Brock way more than he ever trusted Jimmy. Yeah, he's no, absolutely. 35, 36 times. Look at the throws that Brock was making. He was making off-platform throws. Yeah. He was taking all those risks. Jimmy was never allowed to do any of that. But you, you know what? I'll go on as far as and say this. If Jimmy G is a starting quarterback in the league next season, don't be surprised if whatever team he goes to, he's leading him to the playoffs again. Well, he's got to go to a good team. I wouldn't be surprised. But, uh, you know, pointing out another mistake, just also drafting Trey Lance. You know, that was an experiment in itself. That was a, a risk. A huge risk when you probably had a better short thing. And uh, would you all agree if Mac Jones was in San Francisco, they would be in a better position than Trey? Yeah, I mean he was a, he was a more NFL ready quarterback. So yeah. I'd say Mac similarities would have compared him more to a Matt Ryan kind of NFL arc. Yeah, he was uh, he's very similar to Jimmy and to Brock Purdy, to be honest with you. I mean Brock's got a way stronger arm than Mac Jones, but they are very similar quarterbacks. And what uh, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I mean, quiet, it was a shock. Yeah, it was a shock to everybody that they took Trey Lance because leading up to the draft, they were all saying Mac Jones is the guy they want. They traded up for Mac, but then I guess they saw something in their, you know, couple weeks leading up to the draft, and they were like, you know what, let's take a shot, and they took the shot. Kyle really liked Mac, but you're not taking Mac with the third pick. You have to go with the upside swing, and the guy with true superstar potential, Mac does not. They took Trey with the 10th pick, all right? They took Mac. Mac was the fifth, fourteenth, or fifteenth. Mac was fourteenth, fourth one team. Yeah, but you know Trey Lance has the potential to be an NFL MVP. The way we've seen with Lamar Jackson, if everything hits with with Mac Jones, will Matt Ryan did win one? There's a much lower ceiling, and so the return on a third overall pick that you trade multiple first to get. Also, Matt Ryan had a much stronger arm in his prime than Mac Jones even has right now. Mac's arm is really—I don't want to call it a noodle, but like. 
It's really it's, it's average. It really does not impress me. It doesn't move me at all, man. I need it's to big. see something from that. I like I need you you don't arm strength isn't like the end all be all. Like you don't need a Mahomes arm, a Allen arm. You can get by with a Peyton Manning arm, a Drew Brees arm, Phillip Rivers. But Mac Jones, I don't even think he has those guys' arms. Like it's when your head coach doesn't trust you to throw a 55-yard pass and a Hail Mary to win the game, there's a problem, man. There's a problem. He's no Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he ain't no Baker Mayfield, I can tell you that much. And talking about Devontae, real I'm quick. Bad. By the, the way, I spoke incorrectly about the draft pick. I was brain farted. Oh, God. I know Kyle Shanahan had all of us running a loop at that point. <sighs> Real quick on the Las Vegas Raiders, you talked about before Devontae Adams with this cute little tweet. Where do the Vegas, where do the Las Vegas Raiders go from here now that Josh McDaniels, his boy Tom, is not going to Vegas? What is the quarterback that they turn to with it seeming like they've already closed the door on one of the best quarterbacks they've had in Derek Carr? John, they're effed. That's all it is. They're effed. I mean, you're about to trade Derek. Let's see what they get from him. Um... Well, we don't know if they're going to trade. There are rumors that they might cut him if they can't find a partner. That would suck even more. You lose him for nothing. Um, I mean, there's a guy that we've been talking about, Jimmy. Maybe they go sign Jimmy. He's had he's familiar with McDaniel's offense. They're effed, though, to be honest with you. I mean, it does because I don't think they're getting Rodgers. I don't. That cap is just way too much. Uh, I don't think they're getting Lamar. So, I mean, Jimmy... Hell, maybe maybe they take a flyer on Baker. I don't know. Jared Stidham's a guy. God, the Stid, bro. The, st- the Stidster I, under the helm. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if he yeah, gets, John, I want to hear your. I want to hear your take. I want to hear your because you, you said you had a hot take on the Rodgers. You had an epiphany. You said about Rodgers. I do. So I want to hear this epiphany. The epiphany for the Green Bay Packers is that they don't want to treat Aaron Rodgers to the NFC which makes three teams the clear-cut options to acquire A-Rod. The first team is the New York Jets. The second, quite straightforward, Mike Rabel's Tennessee Titans. And the third would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Looking at the current rosters, everything that Aaron Rodgers has wanted, everything that he has lacked in the postseason since going to the Super Bowl in 2010 and you know doing his thing against my Steelers, as a top five defense, while having a superstar at wide receiver, the Jets are developing one in Garrett Wilson. The kid had over 1,100 yards with arguably the worst quarterback playing football. A top tier running back in Brees Hall, who's coming off the torn ACL, but Aaron saw himself the damage that Brees can do. And that kid is probably going to be an absolute phenom when he does get healthy in a year and a half from now. And the Jets also have Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron's former OC who he worked with ad nauseum in the red zone. Where is Aaron great? The red zone. Where were the Broncos stinky this last season? The red zone. Aaron Rodgers is no Russell Wilson. It makes too much sense for Aaron to go to New York because in that market, it wouldn't bother him. New York would have their best quarterback in over 50 years. Joe Namath is willing to give up his number 12 Retired number if Aaron goes to New York. And just one year of Aaron wouldn't be better than the last 50 years. All time, if you take, what, the Jets have been in existence now for up to a century almost? All of those years of quarterback playing, that's including the Hall of Fame career, Joe Namath would not stack up to two years of Aaron Rodgers, even at his worst. Yeah. 
Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback ever to play for the Jets if he suits up and goes onto that field. He is. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback the Packers have ever had. Bart Starr and Brett Favre came before him. So you mean to tell me with Robert Sala, with one year to prove himself as a head coach left, and this top-tier defense and these emerging receivers that Aaron wouldn't go to the Super Bowl or at least the AFC Championship game with this current team? I'm sorry. I know Aaron's name's in the gutter, but I'm telling you guys right now, the New York Jets make too much sense. They're willing to go up two first-round picks. They'll have the perfect team, and most importantly, they're in the exact spot where the Packers will like to send him. If Aaron does not retire, which is a possibility, we didn't see with Tom, it could happen with Aaron. I believe, Justin, look me in the eyes. Aaron Rodgers is going to New York, baby. The Jets. I'm excited. Listen, I, I think that's the best option for him. I mean, obviously, I think he would love to reunite with Devontae Adams. That'd be a, the perfect marriage. But as Brandon says, yo, the cap space is unreal and even though Aaron Rodgers has said he knows that he probably isn't coming back to play on that same number uh contract's gonna have to be restructured in some some form or fashion but yeah the Jets seem like the the best option you mentioned the defense you mentioned guys like Brees Hall Garrett Wilson uh even even guys like Elijah Moore who are, are super talented just you know haven't had been in the right offense or had the right guy throwing them the football uh this is deja vu We've had a Green Bay quarterback go to New York and, you know, what started off very well, you know, we laugh about it, but I think people forget that the Jets did start off eight and three that season with Brett Favre. And if it wasn't for, you know, some injuries and off the field issues, uh, they were probably well on their way to go into the playoffs. I, I believe, uh, man, before everything went south for the Jets, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. They beat the Patriots and, then I believe the Titans were 10-0 and at the time, and they beat the Titans the next week. So the Jets were 8-3, and getting ready to go before everything hit the fan. So this Brett Favre experiment wasn't going to be so so much of a, a failure as we think of it today. They finished the season 9-7 and before he found his way into Minnesota. So maybe Aaron Rodgers could, you know, right some wrongs about Green Bay quarterbacks coming to New York. Maybe, he, I, I'm telling you, if he goes to the Jets, this Jets team is is probably an 11, 12 win squad with uh, him yeah. at, at the helm easily. You put Jacoby Brissett in New York last year, they're a 12 win squad. You put Aaron Rodgers in New York, they're a 14 win squad. You know, I'm glad they skimped over there the whole Jets starting 8 and 3 and losing four of the last five games and missing the playoffs thing because they, <laughs> we saw that last season. So you're right about all of that. Anyone, what's even clearer, what's even better? Aaron, Rod Aaron Rodgers has come out and said he's willing to rework his contract. Ew. Yeah, but yeah, yes, he did, but not in the way that you're you're phrasing it, John. He said he'll rework it. He's not, taking, and all he's that, not yeah. taking less money. That's not how he phrased it. <laughs> he's he's he wants his money. He wants his cake, and he's going to eat it too. Um, in terms of this Jets Rogers thing, I got to be honest. I'm gonna I have to wait to see it to believe it. Um, I feel like this is kind of very similar to Broncos last year. Uh, where they thought they were getting Rodgers. I mean, it's kind of rewriting the same script. Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and you're like, oh, Rodgers is coming. Rodgers, I've, I've seen Jets fan. I know your boy uh, Dells has been tweeting saying, I, I just I can't get my hopes up and stuff like that. Um, and then your uh, your other boy, uh, he he he's 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 all in. He's saying, I'm I'm uh, Rodgers is the Jets starting quarterback next year, and see 
That's where I'm just like, I don't know, man. I really don't, because I don't think any of us can predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. He's already come out and said that there's a lot of trade conversations happening, and I'm not involved in them. Uh, I haven't even made my decision if I'm going to continue to play. I do think he is going to continue to play him, because uh, uh, I think that he's got some years left, and I don't. I think Rodgers is also a very, very competitive person. I think he wants to show that he can still do this. I just don't know about the Jets, man. I don't. Um, I know you named Tennessee. I know you named Vegas. I know Indy will obviously call. Houston will obviously call, but they're they're not going to really get their shot. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting because you bring up the point of the Packers saying I'm not going to trade them to an NFC team, which is very smart. Obviously, right? You you wouldn't want to do that. It's just there's only three teams: the Jets, Titans, Vegas Raiders are basically the top three teams. I, I don't know, man. I, I have to see it to believe it, to be honest with you. So I, I really can't have a a, a a clear opinion on this. Oh, wait and see for me. That That's my my saying for right now. Wait and see because I have no idea what's about to happen with Rodgers. It comes I saw, down to who's more desperate. Yeah, I, I know I saw um, – well, no, I, it, it, yes, but first it comes down to does Rodgers want to continue to play. Um, I did see a thing uh, where somebody was, I guess, clowning Rodgers where it's like, Hey Rogers, don't don't retire this year because you're going to get upstage in 2028 if you're going to have to get inducted in the same Hall of Fame as Tom Brady. So I don't think he's thinking about that. But <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, I, I think uh, the Jets make so much sense, and for an organization that has been uh, pretty much a joke to a bunch of us, yeah. this is the their best opportunity to change the narrative. You go out there, if you can get a Hall of Fame quarterback that's still playing at an MVP level, um, you go and get him. You do everything you can to, you know, accommodate to all of his needs, something that the Packers, you know, didn't always do. Uh, you do everything in your power to accommodate that guy and, and turn that narrative around. That that J and Jets, it, it won't stand for uh, – the J-E-T-S won't stand for just endure the suffering anymore. It'll change. So – just Aaron enjoy Rod the success is what the album is. Just enjoy the success, yeah, temporary success, because when he retires, <laughs> then it's, then it's back. When he retires, Look he's going to develop guys. Zach Wilson or a franchise quarterback. Uh, yeah. who is oh my God, stop it, John. Stop model. it. Please stop. Zach Justin, Leather. I want to ask you, because you're, you're a baseball fan. I don't know. I feel like I've heard uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame do this. Did they uh, – is there a – you know how NFL five years and then you can get inducted? Is there a, is there a thing in Baseball Hall of Yeah, Fame? same thing. Five years. Have yeah. they ever cut that for anybody? Not to my knowledge. I don't believe so. I mean, if there was anybody to do it for, you had Jeter, you had Mariano, who's the only unanimous uh, vote. So if he didn't get the five years, Ken Griffey Jr. either, uh, it's not happening for anybody. I know I know. there's a lot of people saying if there's one person that should cut, cut the five-year line, it's Tom Brady for them. But I feel like that. I don't like that for the simple fact that there's so many guys like uh, – Emmett Smith is the all-time rushing leader. You got guys like Peyton Manning that really uh, just were, were the face of the NFL alongside of Tom Brady. You could you could have uh, stopped that then. So if you didn't do it for them, don't do it for Brady. Let Brady wait his five years, enjoy his time in the booth, and then we're all looking forward to 2028 to see his um, Hall of Fame speech. Uh, tracing back here, do you guys still consider Aaron Rodgers a top-five quarterback after this yeah. last season? I still think – I know I, I, I texted you guys that uh, I'm taking Tom Brady out of my top 10 quarterback rankings. Uh, and I did, it, I did it last year, and I'm doing it again. 
Um, so Mahomes is the best, best quarterback now. I'm uh, in, in my eyes. I know everybody else was like, oh, he's the best uh, now. For me, right. just, yeah. Sorry, Jared. Uh, I was taking Tom no matter what. Um, but he's the best. And I would still take uh I take Rogers as a second. I really would. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I think tier two is Look, I've seen a lot of ridiculous takes. So like Jalen Hurts now is better than Rodgers because he has playoff success. Okay. It's ridiculous. Stu- stupidity. So tier one is Patrick Mahomes. Tier two is Joe Burrow. And we're going to go in order. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, okay, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert. And I thought Tom Brady was in that camp of five guys before he hung up the cleats. Tier three to me is then your Lamars, your Kyler's, your Jalen Hurts's, and obviously Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl last year. So then where do you put Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence is in that camp as well. And he's a weird case because Trevor's already proven himself as a franchise quarterback in my book. Over his development course last year, I think Trevor's going to take Tom's spot in that top six personally. The same way Justin Herbert took Andrew Luck's spot. And currently, he would be around the 9 to 10 spot. I'm above Hertz. I'm above Stafford. Thank you for reminding me there. I, I kind of had him in the wrong shuffleboard piece. Yeah, no. Um, for me, obviously, you guys know my feelings on Josh Allen. Um, so I would I, I would still take Rodgers over Allen. Um, and, yeah, I love Burrow. Uh, I'd still take Rodgers over Burrow. Uh, so it's really Mahomes and Burrow for me are the top two quarterbacks in the NFL right now. That's right. I, I wouldn't put um, Rodgers above them at this point. I think uh, the the way the quarterback position has changed, I, and, and this isn't a knock on Rodgers, because Rodgers, when when the situation is right, he's an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd still go. I go Mahomes. I'll go Josh Allen. I'll go Burrow. I'll go Rodgers. Then I go Herbert, and then the the rest of the list. Yeah, Herbert's gonna be better, but you know. Until he wins a playoff cam, I'm going to put Rodgers ahead of him. Well, he's going to love having Kevin Moore. Kevin Moore's going to love having him. Yeah, it's going to be better than Joe Lombardi. Uh, in all due respect. So, now, fellas, we're going to shift gears over to the UFC. Because UFC 287, Brandon, yes. was released. Our upcoming cards. I want you to give us the scoop for... What month is this going to take place in? This is April least. 8th. Saturday yeah. night, April 8th. Uh the, the the location to be determined, the top three uh, uh, venues are Miami, Brooklyn, and Madison Square Garden. Um, Miami, I think, is the favorite right now. I haven't been back to Miami in a very long time. Uh, so the main event of that card is Alex Pereira, the, the new UFC middleweight champion, taking on Israel at Desanya uh, in the rematch quadrilogy if you count their two kickboxing matches before um they fought back in november izzy was winning the fight basically for the first four rounds five and a half rounds uh alex caught him at the end i thought it was personally i thought it was an early stoppage uh i thought izzy still knew where he was um i know other people will debate that that there was a knee incoming but i just thought um the ref should have let him go down on his sword uh but that fight's happening. Um, I'm excited for that fight. Uh, their their first kickboxing fight ended in a decision, a very controversial one. Izzy believes he won. He got screwed. Alex won that fight. Their second kickboxing match, Izzy was uh, beating him, dominating him. He got caught and flatlined uh, um, by KO. The third fight, I just told you, Izzy was dominating him. 
got caught in the last round. It's kind of starting to become a thing where this fight, <clears throat> I feel that Izzy is going to be a tad more aggressive uh, because of what has transpired in the last two fights where he's dominating and winning and then gets caught in the last round or closer to the end of the fight. Uh, it's just, I believe Izzy's the better fighter. I do. Uh, I think he's faster. I think he's more technical. I think he's got better defense. For for Alex, it's he's got the difference maker. Um, he's he's got that KO power, that thing that'll you know wipe everything. So Izzy's obviously got to be weary of that, but I think he's going to be a tad more aggressive. Um, so early prediction, uh, my thoughts might change leading up to the fight, getting closer. My early prediction is going to be Izzy winning by KO or TKO. Uh, reclaiming his title and possibly going on to a trilogy in MMA, but a quadruple, I guess, would be the five five fights uh, in in their total fight history, which is absolutely insane. Um, the co-main event of that fight is Gilbert Burns, the number five ranked welterweight in the world, who we uh, you just watched uh, fight a couple weeks ago in Brazil. Uh, and he won by first round uh, submission pretty easy. Didn't take that much damage. That's why he's able to take this fight uh, and have a quick turnaround like that. He's taking on the returning Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, the number 11th ranked welterweight in the world. One of my favorite fighters. Uh, he's Gamebred for a reason because he 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 born to do this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know much about him. His history is uh he was first saw in the backyard uh, brawls or backyard fights on the Kimbo Slice era on YouTube back in those days. Yep. Um, tells a story how he was just eating a, a cheeseburger from McDonald's one day, got a call by Kimbo saying, yo, you want to fight for this much? Screw it. Threw the cheeseburger out and went over and fought somebody. Um, so that's why he's game bred. Uh, he hasn't fought since last March against um, Colby Covington in, the, in a decision loss. Uh, he's, he's on a three fight losing streak, Colby, and then Usman twice before that, two of the top three welterweights in the entire world. Um, for me, he's still one of the biggest superstars in the UFC. He sells pay-per-views. He's a pay-per-view draw. Uh, people love him. Uh, so I, I love this fight. Uh, I think that it's going to be a stand-up war in my opinion. Uh, I know Gilbert's got the, it's cited, uh, um, that's not the right word, the, major advantage uh, on the ground in terms of grappling uh he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu but he's a world-class black belt world champion black belt in jiu-jitsu which is just another level uh but game bread's not you know this is not the first time he's faced a world-class jiu-jitsu practitioner he's faced damian maya and damian maya had him backpacked for a while and was not able to get a submission on game bread so I do think Burns has turned a corner here where in last fight against Hamzat, he went at it and it was kind of a stand-up war with, with a couple takedowns here. I think he's going to try and stand up with Masvidal, which is not his best choice because Masvidal is a an elite striker. Um, so I think this is exactly what Masvidal wants. He wants a stand and bang fight. He, and this is exactly what he thrives in. So I'm freaking pumped for that fight. Uh, next up, we got Kevin Holland, big mouth. The trailblazer taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, Holland had just fought in December against Wonderboy, uh, lost the fight via decision. He broke his hand. Uh, actually, he suffered three broken metacarpals in his right hand in that fight. And he's able to come back this quick in April, which is, is crazy. Uh, Holland is always a must watch fighter, in my opinion. He's a phenomenal personality. 
He's got his nickname Big Mouth for a reason. He likes to talk during the fights. Um, hella entertaining. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Pons is a good fighter. This should be a pretty exciting fight. Uh, next up, the last fight to highlight for this card, Rob Font, number six, Bantamweight, uh, a contender in the world, taking on Adrian Yanez, the number 13 Bantamweight contender in the world. Uh, Font is on a two-fight uh, uh, skid. He's lost his last two fights, but still an exciting, tough-ass fighter. Uh, excels in boxing, which this fight will be. Mostly is going to be a stand-up boxing war. Uh, Yanez is my, one of my favorite up-and-comers. I've been following him since his first fight on the Dana White Contender Series, uh, where he 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 was able to get a, a knockout win, and he's had a. I'm pretty sure he's had a performance bonus in every single one of his UFC fights. He's got a performance bonus because he's able to just put on a show. He's got beautiful boxing. It's crisp. It's technical. Uh, I was I, I loved his story that they gave on the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, not the Ultimate Fighter. Sorry, the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, I was touched by it. I've been following him ever since. So. He hasn't been tested in the grappling department in the UFC yet. I don't think he's going to be tested really here. So I love this fight. And one thing, if you guys see Adrian Yanez and if you see Jorge Masvidal, you're going to be like, wow, these guys look very familiar. And they do. I call Adrian Yanez the mini Masvidal because he looks just like him. And he actually fights almost identical to him. When you see them fight, their stances are pretty much the same. It's It's very insane to look at. But great fight card coming up April 4th. April 8th, sorry. Uh, it's going to be awesome. UFC 287, so I'm pumped for it. That's my birthday weekend, so maybe maybe we do something. You guys all take me out to watch the fight. Watch the fight? <laughs> Can't be at a bar yet. Not for me. Can't be at a bar yet. <laughs> Not for me. So with all that out of the way, we're going to momentarily talk about the MBI for a brief stint here. So, coming to the season, I had the Minnesota Timberwolves, guys, in the NBA, finishing as a top-four seed. And early in the year, okay, fine. You know what? I'll stand on it. Admit I it. You, the, yep, admit I had it. them winning 55 games, okay? And that in the Western Conference was going to be enough to get the number one seed. A ship has sailed. And I thought it did, Justin. <laughs> early in the season, when the transition for Rudy Gobert was a tough one, and specifically with Carl Anthony Towns, an All-NBA player, missing the last 20-some odd games. Didn't you have them as the one seed? I just said that. 55 oh, okay. wins. I, I, I and you know what, Justin? They're eight and a half games out right now from the number one seed. In spite of all their injuries, losing Jordan McLaughlin, their backup point guard, Torian Prince, their best shooter, and get this, Carl Anthony Towns, since November, they are 28 and 26 12 and 5 in 2023 anthony edwards is currently breaking out into an all-star and with how much of a usage rate he's taken from minnesota as more of a point guard d'angelo russell has taken more of a backseat role and he's having his most efficient season so far in his career which really does stand out to me there's been a little more energy here and just like last season one of the timberwolves started off under 500 and climbed their way out the gutter, out of the playing tournament, and into a playoff series of Memphis where they took them to six games. I have this feeling with Minnesota. You can't count them out. This year at home, they're 19 and 11, six and four in their last 10 games. And when Carl Anthony Towns does come back, I think we're going to look at this as one of the potential sleepers to rise up into the top four of the standings. 
you know, they're only a game out. Actually, they have the same record as the Mavericks, one less loss. So they're both eight and a half games out from first place. But the Clippers, as the current number four seed, they're only one game ahead of them. And when you look at the Western Conference, all of the teams from six to 13 deal with the same issues. It's availability of their superstars, it's the quality of their supporting cast, and then just getting things to click with those two factors gelling. For Minnesota, they're building their identity without Carl Anthony Towns, integrating Gobert into the mix, and really speeding up the timeline to getting him acclimated in a brand new system. And they're role players. Kyle Anderson has been a lights out over the last month and a half. Nas Reed, we talked about him before the show. Nas Reed is a player that's on the trade block because as a former undrafted player, he's soon to be a free agent. And for Minnesota, they may not be able to retain him. And I've talked in the show about how bad the Rudy Gobert trade was. Believe me, the Rudy Gobert trade is probably one of the most... What's the word I'm looking for? It starts with an I. The Rudy Gobert trade is one of the most asinine moves in NBA history. I mean, Walker Kessler already is almost as good of a player for 45 less million dollars almost, and he's 10 years younger. That being said, the Timberwolves have still found a way to overcome that, and for this season at least, Gobert is making more of an impact and fitting in better and better. I have my concerns about this team in the postseason, but I felt it was a much-needed status update that the Minnesota Timberwolves' chances as a top-four seed, my friends, are still much alive. And truth be told, Anthony Edwards, if he keeps playing the way he has, which is near 30 points per game since 2023 started, I think we're looking at him as the, ex the exact future MVP candidate Justin and I laid him out to be in September. It doesn't sound too crazy because he's starting to play together in year three. And oh, by the way, he's 21 years old. I'm happy you're opening your eyes because we had a conversation not too long ago where we spoke about Rudy Gobert and this trade and the Timberwolves, uh, you know, standing at that moment. I don't know how long ago that was. But it was a couple of weeks ago. And I was the one that told you, you just, it's one of those situations where you just got to stand pat and let this team mesh. Not everything's going to, you know, be sunshine and rainbows right away. Uh, so while I don't believe there'll be a number one seed, um, I could see them being a top five seed at, at some point if Cat gets going when he gets back into the rotation and he's his all-star self. But you guys got to stop, man. Stop jumping the gun. Like, allow these teams to actually take their time and, and grow together. I mean, Gobert will be playing better basketball. Him and Cat still need to develop a better relationship on the court together, being that they, they'll be on the floor together a long periods of time. But, yeah, take your time, guys. Stop – Stop Stop! Uh, jumping the gun so soon. I forgot to mention, while he has played much better in the last couple of weeks, he had played in their win last night versus the Warriors in overtime. Want to add that in? So, the way I look at this, right, I see one team in that top six, really top three, uh, Western Conference that I'm like, eh, you're kind of an imposter in my opinion, and that's the Sacramento Kings. No disrespect, but... It's just for me, when I compare them to the other teams around them, I just feel like they're just a tad inferior. Um, I love De'Aaron Fox. I love De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he is an exciting basketball player to watch. Uh, but and, and I know Sabonis is getting his love. He's playing out of his mind right now. But it's just for me, I just feel like they're a step just behind where uh, uh, I, I think that they're going to they're going to fall off they'll probably still be in the playoffs in my opinion, but I just don't think they're going to be a top three seed uh, going down the, the uh, 
the stretch of the NBA season. Uh, obviously, you named the Clippers. They're starting to get it going a lot right now. Uh, again, healthy Kawhi is playing out of his freaking mind. I'm loving it. Um, they're gonna. They're. They're been said. We've talked about that. They're. They're buyers at the trade deadline. They're looking to make a move for a point guard. Uh, you talk about Golden State still getting their their bearings together. They're still trying to get healthy. Still trying to get the chemistry and figure everything out. Uh, Phoenix. They're missing uh, Devin Booker right now. Uh, New Orleans. Zion is bi is not back yet. He has returned, but you know he's trying still to working get into his, the flow after yeah. missing what yeah. was two and a half months. And that's the same thing with Zion when he comes back; he's going to have to work himself back in the flow. So they're going to get a, the Lakers. You know, AD's getting himself back in. I think they're going to make a run here right before the um, uh, All Star break. And I think after, hopefully, if AD is still healthy, I think that they can make a run. They're going to get into the playoffs mm-hmm. or play in tournament. So. Yeah, Minnesota, it's interesting. If they're all healthy, though, if all those teams are healthy and you stack them up, I still just think there's still a – like you said, there's still – I mean, if Rudy and and, and Kat are on the floor at the same time, there's still a thing that's got to be worked out there, and I don't know if there is an answer for that. I got to be honest. I really don't. The answer is sitting Kat down the stretch. Or Sorry, 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 sorry. The Rudy, answer is Rudy. sitting Rudy down the stretch. My apologies. That's just in – that's freaking insane, man, to think about, that you just made that blockbuster trade. You're paying them all that money, and you're going to send them down in the most important minutes of the game. And I understand why. I, I do understand. You know, free throw shooting, uh, offensive skill set is not there, and he's more of a liability on that end. More of a drop back big, and those guys on the perimeter can't really hang. And yes. He's not a liability guarding in space, but, you know, he played in the Eurobasket this last summer, so he's, he's dealt with some wear and tear in his body and mm-hmm. a groin injury. So he's already losing some of that quickness that's being zapped. And along the way, he was never a heavy switch defender like a Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just – I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to get there, John, top four seed. They're definitely not getting number one seed. That is just a pie in the sky. That's not happening. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I think the Clippers are going to get in there. I think they're going to be a top three seed, i got to be honest with you. So, it's going to be real interesting down the stretch, man. Hopefully these teams can get healthy. That's obviously all we want to see is the 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 stars – and the players being healthy so we can see these guys compete. That's one of my biggest gripes with the NBA watching earlier in the season is just a lot of the stars take games off, and you want to tune into a, a nationally televised game, and then you see oh, two of the biggest stars aren't even playing, so what the hell does this game even really matter? If these guys are playing in the playoffs, you know it's going to be a completely different game. Uh, so, yeah, I just wishing for health, please, so we can you know witness the best basketball possible. There's no doubt. And no team can stay fully healthy. It's just not possible with how long the season is. Very rare. Which is what makes it so meaningful, so paramount for teams like the Timberwolves who overcome injuries and come out better for it. Honestly, if Cap play in the stretch, I don't know if they'd even be higher in the standings because I think this has been good for them. Serving them with Carl Anthony Towns out the lineup, giving Anthony Edwards the keys. Because this is Ant-Man's team. It's no longer Cats. He's dealt with injury issues in three of the last four seasons. And the reason they made the Gobert trade was to fit around Carl Anthony Towns' defensive woes. And in the process, you have committed to the word before. It wasn't incredulous, but that's kind of the word I was looking to go with. One of the most unbelievable trades, one of the stupidest trades ever, trading literally Rudy Gobert for 10 years younger for Rudy 10 years older. And I, I just feel like with Minnesota, there, there is a cap on this team in the playoffs because of that investment, which was so horribly planned out with no assets to really improve the quality of the cast. 
and no future draft picks to build around Anthony Edwards. That's the real concern here. But the biggest positive is the fact that Anthony Edwards is playing at a he's not at, he's playing at an All NBA level, not just All Star. And earlier in the season, he was just the same player as last year, and that was part of their struggles early. But we see him take a step forward. He's not only a player, but a leader. And he's a fun player, man. I was talking about Joel Moran and uh, what's on Tap NBA yesterday on the Joel Moran show. Ant-Man is one of the most enjoyable listens, whether it's a post-game press conference or him in the games when he's locked in. He has that switch where he can get into a flow, stay on the court, but then when he's off of it, he's playful, he's charming, he's energizing. And for this Timberwolves team, having somebody that's got thick skin, can take the heat, will improve when a teammate tells him to be better in transition or to make this pass. He'll work on some of those things where he struggled early on. And honestly, Anthony Edwards was one of the most disrespected players I've ever seen in the pre-draft process. Everybody compared him to Andrew Wiggins because of his personality. And there were some, I guess, flags and question marks about whether or not he wanted to be a great player. And right now we're seeing him play at an elite level. So we talk about Zion, the type of disrespect he often got because of the weight issues last year missing time. Anthony Edwards might be more disrespected a player than some of those guys like Anthony Davis. Just because the discord around them is always so negative, but when they're balling out, almost nobody's got nothing to say. Agreed. Is there anything else you guys like that in? I saw that you had the Knicks, another Knicks topic. Do you really want to talk about the Knicks again? I got to listen to more. Did we have another we... Knicks topic in the show know. notes? Just right. I just said, how good are the Knicks really? Knicks for clicks. Oh. <laughs> talk about the Knickerbockers, man. Come oh, on. right. That's from a few yeah. months ago. No, I just, just know by 7 p.m. tonight, Julius Randle will be a two time All Star. Who the hell cares, Dustin? It should be Julius and Jalen Brunson, but it probably. won't be both. It maybe will be one of them, unfortunately. Hey, Justin, how do you feel about Julius Randle taking the last shot over Jalen Brunson? I'm, I'm not. I'm not very fond of it. Lakers. He didn't take the shot. Uh, J- Jalen Brunson's a assassin on this team. I think he's made it very clear since day one. Um, I mean, but I got nothing against Jules taking the shot. He is being paid the most on this squad. He is our number one guy. He's paid to do it. So. If, he, if, he, if he's the guy, then he's the guy. Uh, listen, like I said, we spoke about it not too long ago. The Knicks need one one more piece. They need that star. They need that centerpiece. Um, Julius and Jalen Brunson are great complementary pieces to what can be a potential t- championship team, but that can't happen if we don't have that guy. You know, I, I wish Kawhi Leonard was available because if you threw him in this team uh, – I think you throw Kawhi anywhere, they'd be pretty good. Yeah, what? What? I mean, it's the truth. When when Kawhi yeah, was on the market, he would never come to freaking. New you York. put Kawhi on the Houston Rockets right now, they'd be a playoff team, bro. They'd be a movie. We know about Kawhi. That's the thing. I would. Kawhi is my ideal man. I wish. I, I would love for him to be in New York, but I know that's just all of these players that I, I I've sat in my room and dreamed about playing in, in, in the Garden have only played in the garden to to destroy us, not to support us. So, And Justin, I have another fun question for you. So last time we recorded, you told me Tom Thibodeau is the best coach we've had in a long time. I want you to put some respect on his name. And then yesterday, around nighttime Eastern Standard, a report came out where Cam Reddish, who was frustrated with his usage, the, the role he was playing earlier in the year, spoke to an assistant coach about his disagreement and discontent with the decision and the way 
Tibbs was using him. Mm-hmm. And since that point, Cam Reddish has not even appeared in a single game. Not one, not one minute in garbage time. And that was multiple months ago. Tom Thibodeau has done this with many players. Veterans like Kevin Fournier, Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker. And he's one when things aren't going well that's going to make a very radical change. The Knicks have won without Cam Reddish in the lineup. But my question for you is, for a squad that has very clear playoff limits, due to Tibbs having zero playoff resume almost, do you agree with Tom Thibodeau not prioritizing the entirety of the undevelopment and really having no foresight long-term to developing some of these X-factors, so to speak, off the bench that maybe don't initially fit his mold, but could long-term? I accidentally moved you, by the way. My fault. Yeah, no, it popped up on my screen. But no, I, I, uh, I've never agreed with that since the second he came in. It's always been, yo, let the young guys play. Give, give these young guys more opportunities with people like IQ and Obi. I still get frustrated when I see Obi not on the on the floor. There was a couple of games ago. I don't remember the exact game. I think it was three, four games ago where Obi just had an insane first half, and then I think he saw close close to zero minutes in the second half. Um. And we ended up losing the game, and he was our best player on the floor that night. So there, there are little things like Cam Reddish, such a talented player. He's very talented, but in both stints in Atlanta and now here, not given the the ample opportunity to to grow into what he can possibly be. Um, Tibbs' mindset has never been develop the young guys. It's always just been what's going to give me the best chance to win tonight. You know, that that's always been his mindset. And while, yes, that has gotten in the way of obviously these these young guys growing. I mean, look at, for instance, Emmanuel quickly is absolutely shining now. I think he's he's uh, I I told you guys not too long ago in in a text message. I don't think there's a six man in basketball playing better than him of late of late. Now, actually, so I, might have something to say about that as former Kentucky teammate. But other maybe, than maybe him, so, but I, I think IQ is really playing his best basketball that he's played in his career. And I want to see oh, the way IQ is getting close to 20, 25, 30 minutes a game. Obi should be getting at least 15 to 20 minutes a game as well. That guy has to get on the floor. And if you don't see us winning a championship with guys like Julius Randle, then quite frankly, what what are we doing there then? Are we gonna ship Obi to get somebody to to elevate our team? Or are we gonna ship Randall to give Obi an opportunity to grow into the player that he can be? Because I'll be honest with you, maybe you guys may think this is far fetched, but I think we should be using Obi Top in the the way the Suns kind of used Amari Stoudemire. That explosiveness, that that Play finishing, would, pick and roll. Big exactly. Game. And he can knock down a jumper. He can knock down a mid-range or a, a corner three sometimes when you really need it. I feel like that's how we should be using OB, but you, you're not going to get that out of him when you're giving him 10 minutes a night. Play 10 minutes against the Nets. You know, like, it, it's it's not ideal, but like I said, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. We may bring in a guy that – tears this whole thing down and we're back at square one mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not I'm, I'm afraid to see what life without tibbs is going to look like you're right about obi they drafted him to be a fundamentally different player than the way they use him i think the amaris dadamar comparison was kind of the ceiling that people put on obi and i mean they use him just as you know a low usage big man spying up 
playing off the ball, fitting into Tibbs' motto of basketball, what he wants. But I think what Tibbs often wants, his style of winning, not only is it not flexible in the postseason, but it's not flexible to a lot of these young players. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, I think Tom Thibodeau, after this season, if they get swept in the plus, I think he's fired. If they win a couple playoff games, it's going to sound ridiculous. I think he does stay. I kind of hope they get swept. And I, do I, I, do, I do think we'll win a couple playoff games. I think uh, this team is vastly different from the one that we had in 2021. Uh, I can't see us going out the way we did with like, against Atlanta. Get swept, the Alec Burks game. So well, yeah, I know it was one game, but outside of that, the rest of the series was a debacle. So I don't see this team losing the same way that one did. It might be good if you get a young guy in here that can maximize the development of these young players and just adds a little bit more long-term prospects. Like Tibbs could be a stepping stone to a an era of high-level basketball, not just good, above-average, dirty. So that was one thing at the Knicks. Um, even R.J. Barrett the other night, dude, we were talking about it. We were watching. We weren't really getting the full scoop of the game while we were recording. He went 3-3 in the fourth quarter, but his effort wasn't there. So Tibbs sat him for IQ. And IQ's been playing better. I understand that. But the Knicks are not so good with this top 15. They, let's be honest. Jalen Brunson is the next best player, and he's barely an all-star. So he's clearly not a top 30 guy. If that's the case, you shouldn't be so hell-bent on winning now, but rather focusing on the prioritization of these young players. And I know in the draft, there's the Patrick Ewing curse. They can't handle a draft pick to save their life in the top 5, top 10. But even still, I want them to shoot for something more. They're in a similar trajectory here to Indiana, where the Pacers owner doesn't want them to tank for a top five pick. The Knicks fundamentally just had the bad luck. So you have to find something in here, and that's definitely not trading three first-round picks, but you're all protected for OG and OB. I don't think that's the... Don't think offloading half your first-round draft picks over the next four years is going to be the move. Uh, You're you're 100% correct. Listen, uh, the team needs a lot of changing as far as, like I said... We need that star. Unfortunately, that star is not out there. So I feel like the Knicks right now might just end up playing the course. I could see us not making that trade for OG, mm-hmm. not making a trade for Sadiq Bay, and just rolling with what we got. Honestly, it's just uh, you either make a trade like that and, and mortgage your, your future by trading three picks like that when you could, you know, wait for somebody way more impactful than one of those guys. I think you just got to stay the course. I, I don't think you make you make any uh, rash moves. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you got freaking draft capital to trade. Oh, we play uh, tomorrow night, bro. Oh yeah, where New York or Miami? Well, I looked that up. In, uh, the Knicks, New York. all those first round picks. But are tonight, average. It's it tonight? is tonight in New yeah. York. I gotta yes, get sir. this R.J. Barrett hate video out before them then. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least you're in like a. You have, you know, things that you can move. As a Miami Heat fan, we got nothing, so hmm. we're really stuck. See, but that's that's exactly oh, what I mean, you know. But that's finally have direction. The the shoe was always on the other foot for us, man. We we had no nowhere to go, man. Nowhere to go. I mean, I still remember cooking dudes in two K with a lineup of Courtney Lee and. <laughs> Aaron Aflalo, guys like that. There was no direction with this Knicks team. So that's why I'm going to – I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, man. The grass is not always greener on the other side. So I'm just appreciating what I have right now. The standard is a low one in New York, but it's slowly becoming – Unfortunately. You know, you know what's better. crazy, man? What the, they, they call New York the city of champions, and it pisses me off. 
it pisses me off because I haven't seen that many championships in my lifetime. I'm I'm 24 years old. I've seen the Yankees since I've actually been watching baseball win one World Series title. They have 27, okay? I've seen the Giants win two. That's impressive because that doesn't happen that much in football. My basketball teams, nothing. Hockey teams, not much. I mean, they've had some success, but nobody brought home a Stanley Cup. There's nothing here. I guess the soccer team, NYCFC, might might be our most recent championship. So, yeah, there you go. New York needs a, a lot of fixing. Aaron Rodgers, hurry up. Come to New York. Uh, Daniel Jones, step it up. Put New York in some relevancy, bro. Like, I am not proud of, of what we've put out. Um, and one last note, Brandon. You said here, at least you guys have draft picks. You know, I think I would rather a finals appearance and then a near second finals appearance than a couple of first round picks. Because I, I'll, I'll say it this, stars today are overpriced in the NBA, but over the course of the last three or four years, that's led to first round picks being vastly overrated. You know, a first round pick is just a lottery ticket, but those Knicks lottery tickets are not very good because none of them are going to be the high value. So like if the conversion around those is lower, it's really just like a, a, a superior second almost because the Mavericks first rounder, that's going to be in the late teens. The Wizards pick they got in the Usman Dien deal with the 11th overall pick in last year's draft. I'm sorry, that's going to be top 10 protected too. So those Knicks firsts, while they're lottery tickets, and they shouldn't just throw them away for OG Anobi, who's better than RJ Barrett, but not by a whole lot. If you can then parlay that into a much more meaningful deal, they'll get you that, that top 15 player. And... Unlike the Carmelo Anthony deal, they'll actually have a decent enough team to support that star once they finally get them. You know, in theory, Justin, if they got Donovan Mitchell this offseason, right, and they moved RJ, Quentin Grimes, and like four first-rounders, dude, a team of Donovan and Jalen Brunson would be so much— and they wouldn't be a contender. They wouldn't be a top four or five team in the Eastern Conference. They would be a lot more fun, and you'd be saying, this is pretty good. But then that would they'd really ramp up your expectations and lead to disappointment when they get knocked mm -hmm. down in the first round. So I think this is a better alternative, truth be told, because you're keeping some of those young players like Quentin Grimes, who is ice cold, man, by not why I love his game. And in turn, getting those winning players and retaining them long term, that'll lead to winning results once you change the head coach. Once you change the head coach, of course. Yeah. Time will tell. But yeah, Brent. Two near fouls appearance is not too bad in my book. No, it's not that bad. Yeah, I trade, trade, trade spots with you. No, right I get now. it. I understand. I was just saying in terms of flexibility, like because going for obviously looking back, it's nice, but looking forward, it, the, the 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 light is slowly closing. Yeah, the light is slowly closing on the heat. I'm still not out of Miami though. I'm not like, either because I know we can't compete, and I know in the playoffs we're going to be a completely different team. I know Jimmy's going to up his game. I I understand that completely, and we're going to be. A lot more competitive than people are going to give us credit for. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, I just I need Tyler Hero to step up, man. I, I looked at his stats. Yes. I think yesterday or two days ago, looking at last year's and this year's, not much of a difference. I mean, the field goal percentage is down, the three point percentage is down, the free throw percentage is up, which is great. Points are relatively the same. All the other things are pretty relatively the same. So. I need him to step up, man. I need him to go from 20 points a game to 24 or 25 points a game. I need I need that step up, man. I need you to become that guy to, to help take the pressure off of Jimmy in the playoffs. I, I need that help. So 
And I don't think it's really going to happen. Wait, time will tell, like Justin just said, for his Knicks. But I personally, right now, as we sit here, I do not believe it. The more striking offensive staff for Miami is at their 30th in points per game. Now, some of that's offset by the 28th ranked pace, where they're actually 27th in offensive efficiency. Mm. Look, Tyler Hero, he's best coming off the bench as a six-man. He fits into the Anthony Simons, the Jordan Poole, the Tyrese Maxey camp of guards. I'm not going around saying, you know, Tyrese Maxey's going to be the one that takes Philadelphia over the top. And with Tyler Hero, that shouldn't be the expectation either. Mm. The second piece, the second cork to the puzzle, it's not going to come. But I do think if they make some sort of move at the deadline for an upgraded point guard, which would mean trading Kyle Lowry, this Miami team, which sits currently 29-23, given they've missed Jimmy Butler this year for over 15 games, they're in a great position to upset somebody in round one. But John, filled, like, Think about this. What if the 76ers finish the third, third seed and they play the Heat in the first round? Who's winning that matchup? That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, no no team is going to want to see us in the first round. That That's a fact. They don't want to see us in the first round. But what, what I want to ask you is, because you said we're, we're one of the teams that looking as a buyer at the trade deadline. Who... Who's up? Who's an upgrade over Kyle Lowry? Who are we out there going to get? Fred Van Vliet? No. No, because I don't know if he do it. I look at Van Vliet. I know maybe he's probably not an option, is what you're going to tell me. Um, but I look at Van Vliet. Do that. I, I am never a, really a big fan of a guy whose field goal percentage is sub forty. Um, because he doesn't get to the rim. Yeah, around forty percent. So, yeah. But give please give me a names that. Miami would be buyers up at, to get rid of Lowry and bring in an upgrade. So I can tell you if, if I think they're going to be a good life changer or just, you know, the course is going to be the same. Well, the first name, it's not Kelly Olenek. Though I know you're jumping off the page waiting for me to say that name. Not The first name is Mike Connolly, who after the season has nine guarantees in his contract and is a pretty movable salary. Connolly is a more durable player than Kyle both of whom have dealt with some hamstring issues. And the key thing here is they're in two separate conferences. Because there are some guards in the East, like Peyton Pritchard in Boston. Pritchard does not play. He's kind of mini Fred Van Vliet, where he's a great shooter that's undersized, but a really competent defender, I think. He's smaller. But Pritchard's not moving to the heat because the Celtics aren't going to do Miami any favors. Uh-huh. Mike Connolly is the name. He is the key at the straight deadline for a lot of contending teams that feel like they're one point guard, one switchboard away from really making a a pretty sizable difference in the postseason where Connolly can run pick and roll, take some of the pressure off of Kyle, or take some of the pressure off of Tyler, and can replace Kyle as a more reliable offensive secondary complement. So you want to know when you tell me that, right? I I know I was right from the beginning. We should have freaking just kept going, Dragic. No, be honest with me. Like at this point, is there really a difference in Goran Dragic, Conley, and Kyle Lowry? Oh, Conley's way better than both of them. Okay, but like at the like, I want you to understand here. Conley is one of the most clutch players in basketball this season. When he plays, not going to put us over the edge, been, man. He's not going to put us over the edge. Utah has a top five offense, and that's built off of players like Mike Conley creating his, for their teammates. His, his, do the caps add up between Lowry and Conley, or are we going to have to give up something else too to match the contracts? I think Lowry's Lowry making a little bit more. So Lowry the, makes $30 million. Yeah, and... Conley's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that trade was made, when that sign was made, Justin. We were in all in Connecticut School broadcast together when that sign, and I walked in with John. So that's a good trade. I'm like, John, he's making the same much as Chris Paul. Are you freaking kidding me right now? 
Well, they bought into the initial year on that deal where yeah, he thought Larry would make the difference, and he unfortunately was hurt last year in the postseason. So yeah, Conley's making $22 million this year, and then after this season, it's a $24 million deal that's partially guaranteed. Kind of like Al Horford last year where there's some bonuses mixed in. For the Heat and their payroll, Larry's making, you know, as you alluded to, upwards to $30 million. Actually, twenty nine point six million next year, Dude, which is We could have had Goran Dragic for like less than half of that, man. We could have had him for like freaking ten million a year, and he would have. I'm being honest with you right now. He would have given us the same output, and I think he would have probably been healthier. Do yeah. we not forget that he was the leading playoff scorer in that finals run? He was. He was, <laughs> and we missed him for the finals. At thirty, we loved him. They got along really well. They created a bond. They loved each other. I hated that we got rid of him. And then when he got uh, cut from Toronto, I don't know why the hell we didn't go and sign him. And then he went to freaking Brooklyn. Because guess what? Kyle Lowry got injured, right, John, in the playoffs that year. But we have not abused a Goran Dragic, who's familiar with the system. He's familiar with the system. He's familiar with the players. He's been in that spot before. I mean, Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm talking on a wall right now. I think Precious Achua was the bigger piece he gave up in that deal. I love Achua. I love Achua. Yeah. I mean, he can't shoot a lick, but I love the, the 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 tenacity, the defending nature, the switchability. I love Achua. And he was but making shots Achua. last year, too. Yeah. It might have been a little smoke and mirrors, but last year he was making pull-up jumpers in the postseason. So give me another name besides Mike Conley, John, or is that the only name you got? So the other name was D'Angelo Russell, but he's played so well in Minnesota on an expiring contract, I'm not sure if the Timberwolves, they kind of have to move him because if they don't extend him, I mean, they're going to let him walk for nothing. So Kyle Lowry for D'Angelo Russell, that would be a much-needed upgrade, I think, for Miami. It's an okay move. Obviously, it's an upgrade offensively, 100%. Yeah, but does it upgrade Minnesota? So why would they do that? Yeah, no. Because they're but the team that Lowry's used to have playoff ex- expectations. Why, why would they want Kyle Lowry? Lowry's on an expiring deal too, right? Lowry's got one more year after the season, okay, whereas yeah, D'Angelo's on expiring. Yeah, I don't think that they would do that then. They would get rid of an expiring contract to bring in a guy who's got another year and he's really on the downward spiral. But yeah, obviously it's an upgrade offensively, defensively not so much. Uh, basketball IQ really, and there's no knock on D'Lo, but Kyle Lowry does have a very high basketball IQ. He's very much a player coach in that aspect. But When he's not in street clothes, that is. Yes. Well, no, even when he's on street clothes, he's out there coaching. He's in the freaking middle of the court basically, call and play like, hey, hey. Pick right, pick right. You know what I mean? I love the energy, but like still. And the other name is not going to take them to another level offensively, but a fun Miami Heat guy would be Alex Caruso. It's not going to happen because the Bulls want multiple first-round picks, but the Lonzo Ball Oka players that, you know, all defensive guards, that's what you need alongside Tyler Hero. And that's why they made that Lowry deal, because Dragic was not on the same level as Kyle as a defender. The thought process by Pat Riley was, okay, Lowry, he's been a second or third piece on a championship team alongside Kawhi. We're going to get him for one or two really good years, and it's going to be a much new defensive improvement that, you know, outside of the the body fat percentage thing, he's going to fit perfectly into this heat culture. Mm-hmm. And it's going to really integrate into this, the closing lineups of games as well. Um, so looking back now, they took a gamble. I think... You know, the P.J. Tucker signing was great for them. That was, that was the player they lost. And, of course, Duncan Robinson they're stuck with. Yeah. The last player is Jay Crowder. Now, the Suns want two or three things. A good young player, a good long-term draft pick, like a first-rounder. That's what I mean by a good first-round pick, or a good draft pick. And then some third piece. I think that he gave up Nikola Jovic, who was pretty unpromising earlier in the year, but 
he's kind of like a glue guy when he what he projects to be. He's been hurt over the last couple of months and undergo surgery. If you move to Jovic and a future first round pick, um, they've already got a couple picks owed to the Clippers. I do think they could get Jay Crowder, and he adds just enough three point shooting and a tone setter that in the playoffs is another buy to throw on an Embiid or a Giannis, and that's a big time difference maker in those key moments. It is, but it's not the key piece. It's a nice piece, but it's not the piece that we need. Uh, yeah, like I've said, where's the none of those moves you named, John, move me. None of them are like exciting to me. Kind of. Uh, yeah, if it was a couple of years ago, uh, D'Lo would excite me, but we've seen what D'Lo really is at this point. Um, yeah, we're stuck. Like I said, our our shot was Donovan Mitchell. That was our shot. That was our chance. And we missed it. We couldn't get the deal done. Um, so we're kind of stuck right now. And like I said... Uh, Your other chance was James Harden, by the way. Yeah, but I never... I didn't, I didn't want that. You didn't want Harden, but... The theory of having a league-leading assist and league-leading playmaker that can work off-ball, he's starting to do that now in Philadelphia, starting to take a complimentary role. Harden would have committed a pretty pretty large package, but he would take a huge load off of Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. He doesn't fit the Heat culture either. Um, uh, I would have loved Chris Paul. Chris Paul fits the Heat culture. John, I don't know if you saw this quote from Hero. I forget what game it was after. Uh, I think it was a week ago, where he said, uh, "I can't play. I don't play defense, and I can't play defense." I don't know if you saw that quote. He was asked, like, I guess I forget what it was, like, "Why didn't you play defense?" or something like that. And he's like, "I can't play defense, and I don't want to play defense." Now I don't know if he was just being, you know, a jackass, being sarcastic with the whatever, but. I never saw that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was after a game in the locker room. He was surrounded by the media, and he was asked, and he he gave that statement. And I was just like, again, I don't know if he was, you know, being. He said it pretty damn seriously. I don't know if he was just being deadpan with it, uh, being that sarcastic. But if he wasn't, I don't. That's another reason why I can't get on with Tyler Hero. That's not heat culture, man. That that's not heat culture. And that's the thing. He's had some really good moments this year. On defense. Again, you don't have to be a good defender. Fight, man. Look at Pat Beverly. He's scrawny and small. That guy fights, though. He's going to give you anything you got. Pat Beverly is another guy who's perfect for heat culture, too. Yeah, Pat Bev, he was on the team. Like, um, was, yeah. Chris yeah. Paul would have been the perfect guy in 2020 perfect. when they could have literally got him for one dr- That's the thing. The opportunity cost of Chris Paul, that's where the heat missed. Yeah. Though they had just went to the finals, they doubled down that team with a very short offseason. Chris Paul went to the Suns for one first-round pick. Jalen LeCue is in the G League now. And Kelly Oubre. You mean to tell me that he could have come up with a better package than that with their first-round picks? If he threw two picks in that deal, the Thunder would have probably moved in there. Because why? It's a different conference. And Pat Riley is a guy I would like to see do well if I'm Sam Presti. And here's the other thing. Justin, you talked about love before. I'm actually going to say it after. Chris Paul on that Miami Heat team last year, they go to the finals. Even if Chris Paul has one arm, one leg working, he is so good on the court that I think in the pick and roll, making shots late in the game, and then defensively, teams have Bam on a bio behind him. It's hard to attack CP3. They would have beat the Celtics in that series, I believe. And um, Jerry, you hit the point before we recorded episode number 70 that according to NBA Central and uh, replay poker, 
the most stressed team, the most stressed fan base watching their team is the Miami Heat, edging out the New York Knicks by 0.7%. Surprisingly, the Warriors in the top three. I feel like the Wizards, um, that, that surprised that fans would stress over that team. I feel like they're the long lost <laughs> cause. But the 76ers, I thought they would have been the top of this list, honestly, because the Philadelphia fans' passion and all they've had to overcome in the postseason. So, yeah, I'm surprised Philly's not number one on this list. Where'd Philly rank on the list? They, list, they uh, ranked number five. four after Golden State. Okay. Wizards somehow. Wizards. What the hell do the Warriors have to complain about? Well, you know, Steph Curry misses 20 games and they have to watch. Yeah, they're talking specifically this season, so. Oh, okay. I was about to say. I mean, they're, they're spoiled enough. They should, still shouldn't be complaining. Mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have every right to complain. It's based off the percentage of negative tweets. That's great. So it's, yeah. I guess I, I'm proud of my New Yorkers. We we're not. Uh, we're, not. we're 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 number two on that list. We're not we're just not. calling them out. <laughs> just calling them out. Progress. We're calling out our team, not the fans. Calling everybody out. <laughs> calling our teams out. Gotta step the hell up, man. Jesus Christ, give us something. Up. We need a parade. We need a parade. <laughs> Progress is progress. All right. Like this show. 71 episodes. You know what the Knicks remind me of? You guys ever seen the uh, SpongeBob episode when uh, Gary the Snail and Squidward Snail were racing? Yeah. And then Patrick had his rock in the race. The rock one. We're the rock. Eventually. Eventually, we're going to move. Dustin, well, guess what? This ain't this ain't an animated TV show. You're <laughs> <laughs> not going nowhere, buddy. Eventually, we're gonna get there. By the way, Fascinating I was very girl. proud of John today. John, John, I guess I found out John played Call of Duty. I'm happy that John done <laughs> some more activities. Childhood. <laughs> My childhood was just playing basketball strictly. Now that I'm out of that phase, all it is is just discussing sports. You know, forty-four-seven. Forty-four-seven. <laughs> But with all that being said, it's going to wrap up the episode, guys. Number 71. Retirement. 71. Tom retired. We got, a, we got a response from – shout out, shout out. We got a response from Robert Kraft saying that he's going to do everything in his power to sign TB12 to a one-day contract so he can retire as a Patriot. As he should. Does the NFL retire Tom Brady's number? No. Oh, like MJ? Yeah. I, I mean, if anybody deserves it, he does. It won't happen. I don't think it's it's never happened in the NFL. Um, no, that the NBA didn't do it, John. The Miami Heat's the only one that did it. Uh, they retired twenty three, but he never played for him. So yeah, I don't think it's. Well, they retired happen. number six in honor of the late great Bill Russell, of course, this last off season. Ah, got you. So wait, LeBron. Did, so what number is LeBron now? Twenty three. He went back. Okay. So he switched. Is, like, is LeBron LeBron's twenty three now, right? Yeah, but I know he he came into LA as twenty three, right? But then he switched to six. Uh huh. And then I guess he maybe he's, uh, maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, no, you're not. You're right because Russ Russ is zero. AD's number three, and since the Lakers retired twenty four, yes, and eight, Rui Hashimura, who got into basketball from Kobe, he wears twenty eight. So that means LeBron. Though I can remember Rui's number, I'm actually surfing the web right now to see a pick. Just to confirm, LeBron wears 23 this season. <laughs> I think it says it on ESPN. Yeah, it does. LeBron's wearing six this season. No, he's wearing six. Maybe at the end of the season he's going to switch, I feel like. Um, I guess so. 
but yeah, no, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to, I mean, if anybody does deserve it, it is Tom, but I think New England's obviously going to retire it. I think the Buccaneers are going to retire it, so. Yeah, the, the team should, but I don't think the league as a whole is going to do it. Yeah. I mean, although there if any number, obviously, any number two in football needs to be retired 12. I mean, look at the guys we've had as number 12. Yeah, but that's, see, that's the thing is 12 is such a prominent number, especially for the QB spot. You just, yeah, you're going to keep living that on everybody. I, I don't think that's going to change. Not going to change, Justin. So with the change comes new era. With all that being said, it's going to be No, not Breaking news. Adam Schefter, after speaking with multiple teams about their defensive coordinator position, Vic Vangio has decided to join the Dolphins as their defensive coordinator and officially accept the position on the Miami staff after the Super Bowl. Home run for Miami. Man, that stinks for the Broncos. Was Sean Payton worth two first-round picks if you don't get one of the best DCs in football? I still think Payton's going to get a pretty good staff. And that's why I think the value in getting up a first-round pick was well worth it. It was one first-round well, I'm saying I would have traded two first-round picks, John. That's what yeah. I said. I mean, and look at uh, – I was listening to Shannon uh, Sharp on Undisputed, and he said uh, – he went over the history of uh, coaches being traded. Uh, I think there's um, Mike Holmgren, uh, John Gruden. There's another one. Bill Belichick. Um, and if you look at those guys, Holmgren, I think, went to the Super Bowl. John Gruden won the Super Bowl for Tampa Bay, and we know Bill Belichick's history. So it has worked out in the past. Broncos might be getting a little higher if you look at the history of trading for head coaches. Again, I saw one one guy, I think on Twitter or TikTok, you know, one of the losers, and they said, you trade a first-round pick for a mid-head coach? <laughs> people don't have respect any day. Hey, he's, he's a donut. Yeah, people don't have respect anymore. Hall of Famers don't Culture get changer. respect. Culture changer. Excited. Super Bowl champion. Derek Jeter's on the cover of MLB The Show, so just so just to show how much his legacy is still uh, reigning supreme. Awesome. With all that being said, I'll wrap up episode number seventy-one of the Wise Guys podcast. I don't know any NFL players that wore seventy-one on my head, but um, we'll we'll figure that out in time. With all that yeah, we, being yeah, said, yeah, we got to do that every episode. You know, we got to. Oh, it's too late now. Now the numbers are getting too high. We'll oh, do you want to do like the? Do you want to do that for the next episode? That TikTok idea I had where we. To the trivia for the yeah. next oh absolutely yeah i mean hey, we're gonna have nothing to talk about because about well, the pro bowl is the only thing happening we are not, not talking, talking about the pro bowl <laughs> not talking about that, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about football and we'll talk about uh you know f- we'll have a prediction after the super bowl and then some basketball yep. so with all that being said wrap up the episode as always we'll see you next time stay classy um,